0: This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones, and today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Senate Eskridge. Senate is an expert real estate investor who currently owns a managed portfolio of single and multifamily homes, numbering over 500 units across the country. He has over 10 years experience in real estate investing and more than 20 years of experience in business development, management, and sales. Senate is a multifamily coach who teaches students how to purchase multifamily properties. He hosts a real estate investors group in his hometown, bringing investors together to network and learn from each other, driven. By self development, Senate has completed numerous courses, including the Dale Carnegie leadership training. Welcome, Senate. It's great to have you on the show.
1: Awesome, yeah, Matt. Thanks for having me here. I'm really excited. Thank you.
0: Great. Uh, what else would you like the audience to know about yourself?
1: You know, you covered it really well in that intro. I appreciate it. I, I think that the the thing that I really want to highlight is what you talked about personal development. I I actually uh, am a self-professed personal development junkie. Uh, my wife says, you know, we vacation. To things like tony robbins right like we're we're always out there looking for the next uh, piece of knowledge and trying to improve and it's just a lot of fun for me so thanks for pointing that out
0: absolutely so for the passive investors out there do you still recommend they go through personal development with real estate uh, i mean otherwise they, they can just put their money with whatever uh, syndication sponsor that they want and call it a day
1: yeah so the the beauty of passive investing is uh, that, that term passive investing means that you get to just trust the people that you work with. So, so your job as a passive investor, in my opinion, you really, you really have four jobs. Okay. And, and this is going to be a long answer to short question. I apologize, but there you have four jobs. Number one is to vet the sponsor that you're working with. You need to know who it is that you're working with. Right. So get to know people like me and, and other people that are in the industry and make sure you can trust them. After that, you have three more jobs. After you're in, a, in an investment, you have to read the email updates that come out every uh, every month or every quarter, depending on how your people send them out. You have to uh, deposit the checks when they come out every quarter, and you have to send the K-1s to your accountant at the end of every year. And if you have a good good sponsor like myself, I'll do jobs number two and three for you. I'll deposit the money directly in your account, and I'll even send the uh, the K one directly to your accountant at the end of the year if you want. So the answer is the answer is no, you don't have to do any kind of knowledge development or personal development. But I do think that the the beauty of passive investing and passive income in general is it really allows you then to go after those things you're passionate about. So if that's personal development, great. If that's golf lessons great. If it's dance lessons, whatever it is that your life that is special for you, you get to focus on.
0: Excellent. And then um, tell me about your portfolio. What does it look like right now?
1: Yeah. So my portfolio today, right now, I've got actually 14 apartment complexes that I'm involved in uh, either as a joint venture or a syndication that I've done, but that's an ever evolving process. It started out in single family properties, and then moved into multi small multi-family duplexes and triplexes, and then it's just uh, ever evolving into bigger and better better complexes. So, currently, it's fourteen properties spread across Southern Idaho, which is where I live. I live in Idaho, uh, also Texas, Oklahoma, and Ohio.
0: Beautiful area there. I was just there a few years ago when I visited the the Grand Tetons. So
1: yeah, Idaho is amazing. I love it.
0: Yes, indeed. And are you uh, passive with your portfolio, or active, or, or both? Uh,
1: well, both. Uh, I'm I'm a very much an active investor. I am constantly out there looking uh, for for deals and other partners to work with. I so very active on that front. But so far, I can I'm happy to say that I've invested passively in every deal that I've done as well. So every deal that I have has a uh, investment component for me uh, as well.
0: You know, that's one of the things I look for when I'm considering syndication sponsors. Are they putting their money where their mouth is? Or are they just trying to make money off the fees from the deal itself? But if they're putting their money as part of, of being passive as well as active, that shows me like, hey, they really mean it. They 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 really are committed to that deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I foresee a time in the future, maybe I, I might not have enough capital to invest, right? That's a possibility because everyone has a limited amount of money, Right. But uh, so far, I've been lucky enough that uh, I've had enough capital stored away to be liquid enough to invest in every deal I've done.
0: Excellent. So, uh, why are you focused on multifamily? What do you like about it?
1: Well, the the why started with uh, you know my my story was in single family. I had a ton of just single family rentals, and I just really liked helping people in that regard, providing a home for them. And because I had all that experience when I moved into commercial real estate, it just seemed like a perfect fit to stay in that rental market. Uh, but, you know, that that's the textbook answer. The real answer is I like, I like improving my community. So I buy kind of junky apartment buildings and I fix them up. So I take something that's an eyesore and I improve that. And now, I mean kind of like almost a hero to the community, right? That was that was an eyesore, now it's not an eyesore. But now what about the tenants who live there? And that's what I mean by it. I truly mean their tenants, they don't like they don't like living there. I buy a complex and I turn it from a tenant living in a complex to a resident living in a home. And I do that by improving it, making it more of a community making it someplace that they're proud to live, fixing it up, in other words. And then I get to help my investors uh, invest into those deals. So I get to help people in one action. I get to help three three different sets of people, three different ways. I get to improve the community. I get to improve these homes for these people. And I get to provide great opportunities for my investors. And those are just three of the hundreds of reasons I like multifamily.
0: Yeah, you're getting at the heart of the value-add investment strategy. You're essentially adding value to everyone at the same time. You're adding value to the residents by creating a better living situation for them. And of course, uh, you're able to make more income at the same time, which then is adding value to your investors as well. So that's kind of a win-win for everybody. And are you focused on on more like B-class or C-class or, or what?
1: I My favorite is B-class, uh, but... What I tend to, to to buy typically is a C or a C plus, in a B class area, and then I'm fixing it up and moving it into a B class.
0: Yeah, you can fix up the property, but fixing up the entire neighborhood yourself a little harder to do.
1: <laughs> Not wrong, <Yeah.
0: laughs> indeed. So, are you able to take on uh, new passive investors for future deals? Yeah, uh,
1: I'm always looking for for people that are interested in investing and and growing their portfolio. So. Absolutely. Yes.
0: So how can a passive investor determine whether or not you and your team are a good match for what they're looking for?
1: Well, the the best thing to do is to schedule a call with me and and let's 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 learn about each other, right? Because not only not only do I need to be a good fit for them, but they need to be a good fit for me, right? So it's a mutual relationship. Of course, they can get on my website and social media and learn about my history and listen to some of these podcasts I've done, but the best thing to do is let's just have a face-to-face conversation or maybe screen face-to-screen conversation is how it's done most of the time these days, a Zoom
0: call, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what's your role on your team?
1: So I am in charge of investor relations, making sure all the investors are educated and happy. I'm also uh, really good at the contract to close portion of a deal where, you know, there's so many moving pieces from the time it goes under contract all the way till it closes setting up legal documents and contracts and uh, setting up investor portals and sending out updates. There's just so many moving pieces that happen. That's something where I really, really shine. So investor relations and contract to close. The other thing that I've just a natural born leader seems like every single time I'm on a team, I gravitate to the front and I kind of move people around to make sure that they're using their skills to the fullest. So I become kind of a leader and a coach on every team as well.
0: Okay. So let's say a passive investor is calling around, they're calling you, they're calling all their sponsors. What kind of questions should they ask you to figure out if they want to work with you?
1: Yeah, well, I really like to ask about the track record, which we we just talked a little bit about on here. Like how many deals have you done? Uh, How long have you been in the industry? I want to know, how did you get your education? Uh, but the the couple of different things that I I would really uh, vet on the operator themselves are, you know, tell me about a time when something went wrong. It's one of my favorite questions, because if the ants, if they say nothing's ever gone wrong, then, then there's one of two different scenarios. So either they're lying, which you don't want to work with them, or they haven't been doing this long enough. And then I would say, you probably don't want to work with them either at that point. So tell me about a time when something has gone wrong. What And and how did you handle it? And then when you're talking, if they have a specific deal you're looking at, I I believe that you always need to vet the sponsor and the team first, but a good way to, to vet the sponsor and the team is ask them questions about the individual deals that maybe aren't commonplace. And what I mean by that are, questions that maybe are not necessarily in their pitch deck or they'd be on their webinar. And the thing is, is it really doesn't matter what their answer is. It matters that they have an answer and their confidence in that answer. So there, there are really three different questions that I like to ask about individual properties. Uh, The first one is how did you calculate the tax property taxes? And I want to hear, ideally, I want to hear somebody called the County assessor's office and found out the, the formulation and when they'd be reassessed and how.
0: Versus uh, them just accepting whatever the selling broker uh, said it was. Yeah.
1: Right, exactly. Because those are never right. <laughs> um, you know, the next one is, how did you calculate the exit cap rate? See, most passive investors don't quite even understand what an what an exit cap rate is. And, and most syndicators I found, the new ones, they also don't understand that, right? And again, I don't know, every market's going to be different. I can't tell you what that answer is, but I want to know that they have an answer and that they didn't just guess.
0: Yeah, right? if they if they bet on a, a compressing cap rate as well, if they're buying it at a, I don't know, let's say a five cap and they say, oh, we're going to sell it in two years at a four cap. Well, okay, uh, I'm going to check somebody else out then. That's uh, I I'm probably...
1: Gonna... I probably don't like that answer, but honestly, Matt, if they're, if they, if that's the answer they gave and they actually had a solid answer to it and they could back up why they think it's going to go to that, maybe. But what I have found when I've asked that question of people, they, they, a lot of people don't even know what that cap rate is, right? When they're, when they're, when they're pitching a deal, right? So one guy underwrote it and then the person pitching it has no idea what that cap rate is. Right. So I want to know that they have an answer and that they understand why they have an answer. But I do agree. I do agree with you. I would expect the cap rate to decompress. That's the way I look at it. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: That's the conservative underwriting approach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and actually, I have a hard time with that term. Right. I I don't like conservative underwriting. Mm -hmm. I like accurate underwriting. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't want you to I don't I'm all about under-promising and over-delivering. Like I try to do that all the time too, but I don't want to to have something be way off on paper. I want to be as close as I can. The third question, and then I'll be done with the section is is the rents. How did you calculate your rents going forward? And if they give me some uh, BS answer about, well, inflation, you know, or this is just what the market has been doing, right i just want them to prove to me that they validated their 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 thought process
0: exactly i mean you know and i hear what you're saying even if uh, the market has had 10% you know year over year rent increase during the past two years doesn't mean they're necessarily going to have that in the next year you know some th- different things are going on this year and, and into the next 12 months that then have been going on in the past few years absolutely yeah, very good. So I hear you with the accurate uh, underwriting. At the same time, all underwriting is a guess. Like it's always going to be wrong. Uh, there's always things that will happen that you don't expect or uh, it's just hard to predict exactly how things will lay out.
1: Yeah, you're not wrong. You just got to do your best, right? And and experience is the best, uh, best teacher.
0: Yes, indeed. All right. I'm going to take your a bit of advice here. Tell me about a time when something went wrong with one of your investments and, and how was it handled?
1: <laughs> oh, well, it'd be hilarious if I said nothing's ever went wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna run away from you. Yeah. No,
1: no, 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 I've actually had several things go wrong. Uh, and the the biggest one that stands out in my mind is really comes comes down to not not accurately projecting the amount of capex or the the rehab budget that we had to go through. Uh, so I bought a property, I, I, I'm going to talk about a specific situation, but I'll give you the high level first. Uh, I bought a property and had some problems with it that I didn't foresee. And it costs significantly more to fix this thing up than it was supposed to. Now the results. Okay. So the, the big problem was we ran through all of our budget to fix everything. And we got to the point where we thought we had it all fixed. We thought that we were done fixing it. And then uh, one of our downstairs, it was a two story building. One of our downstairs tenants called and said, Hey, there's water coming out of my ceiling. Oh man. You know, we thought we had all this stuff fixed. And when we pulled it open, all of the floor joists in the bathroom were completely rotted out. And we, we, you could stand upstairs and literally look down into the bottom unit Hmm. and, and you, it was a, full-size human hole like you could walk you could jump down through it right you can climb up and down through it it was not a small hole and and really this thing ended up costing us about forty thousand dollars more than we thought and so uh the the result was that uh, we obviously got it fixed as quickly as we could and my partner uh who was literally there pulling sheetrock and pulling all of this rotten wood and everything out all on his own, like like literally to try to get the best value for our for our investors as we possibly could, and to get the problem fixed as pro- as fast as we could for the residents. We were he was there ripping all the stuff out, doing it himself, doing all the demo and everything over a weekend. What normally the contractor said would take a, about ten days to get done because of other schedules and stuff. He had it all done in a weekend so that they could, the new people could start on Monday to get it all fixed. So we went from what was a drip uh, to a completely new uh, subfloor and completely new everything all fixed in less than a week, which is great because we had two uh, residents in hotels during that time and we're paying for a hotel for them for somewhere to sleep. Uh, And we did that, obviously, for client satisfaction for the residents and also to protect the investor's money. And we just got that quickly, as quickly turned around as we possibly could. Now, the beauty of that is those residents felt so taken care of and so honored that when we came around to renew their leases, even though their rent went up roughly 10%, they signed the new lease without even questioning it Mm -hmm. because they know we'll take care of them
0: next time if something goes wrong oh fantastic that reminds me have you ever seen the movie the money pit starring tom hanks
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> where everything's going wrong up at the same time and yeah having to fix anyway uh yeah it's a great movie if, if anybody out there hasn't uh, seen it before but anyway uh so we you mentioned before about personal development and Uh, you know, about passive investors wanting to be passive. But uh, at the same time, I think it's worthwhile to spend some energy and effort to develop your knowledge in real estate. So you know what you're getting into with different investments. And one of those things uh, I would say involves going to real estate meetups or conferences. I know you run one in your hometown. Uh, Mm -hmm. Actually, uh, where is that? Where where are you located now?
1: Yeah, I live in Twin Falls, Idaho.
0: It's halfway between
1: Boise and Salt Lake. Yep.
0: And uh, tell me about your group that you have there.
1: Yeah, so in uh, my investor group, mm-hmm. there we, yeah, yeah, so, well, well,
0: yeah, your your local meetup uh, group that you have going on, yeah,
1: yeah. So when I first started coming to this group, there were there were three people that came to it, myself and two other people on a regular basis, and it really went from this kind of coffee meeting and just talking about real estate investing to bringing other people in, and now once a month we fill the back room of my favorite Chinese restaurant in in town uh, with around 40 to 50 people every single month that it's very, very diverse. We've got realtors. We've got uh, fix and flippers. We've got uh buy and people who do buy and hold single family. We've got lenders. Uh, we've got people who do apartments. We've got tons and tons of passive investors that come that just invest into all these people's deals. I'm really honored to be able to set it up because uh, I get the privilege of reaching out to all of the speakers and scheduling that for, for everybody to come. So the, uh, the people who attend the meeting give me suggestions, and then I uh, go and find the people to, to
0: cover those roles. And then are there any uh, real estate conferences that you would recommend for passive real estate investors?
1: Oh, specifically for passive real estate investors. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to recommend two. So the first one is uh, the best ever conference in Salt Lake City. And it's really it's really cheesy to say this, but it is the best real estate conference I've ever been to. It's called the best ever, and it is the best I've been to. Now, the the target audience really is for active investors. However, the reason that a passive investor would want to go to one of these conferences are because you could now meet so many active investors, right? The the number one tool of a passive investor is their Rolodex. You want to be able to pick the best operator, the best syndicator. And the Best Ever Conference has got uh, rows and rows of vendors of people that are doing some kind of passive investment that they have a booth there, a table. There's also real estate coaches, but the audience, the attendees that go, these people are syndicators right? These people are people that you can invest with. So go there to network and meet the people even more than the content. And the content is great. The second one that I want to, to mention is uh, uh multifamily mastery six, which is Jake and Gino's uh, program. My friend Gino Barbaro is one of the most compassionate, most amazing humans I've ever, I've ever worked with. And he attracts the most genuine people. And something about that event, I just feel really warm. And uh, you know, there's just such a great community there. That one is usually in the fall and it's in Orlando. So Orlando, Orlando in the fall with multifamily mastery, Jake and Gino's program. And then early, early spring, I think it's in March, the best ever conference in Salt Lake City, Utah. All right.
0: And then in addition to conferences, are there any other uh I guess personal development opportunities that you would recommend for passive real estate investors.
1: Well, listen to podcasts just like this one, right? Because you're going to get to hear a lot of different uh, avenues. Uh, I think that you're going to be able to learn a lot from that. But there's also a lot of uh, a lot of good books out there that are that are really good. I actually, uh, my friend Anthony Vecino and and his partner Dan Kruger uh, wrote a really good book called Passive Investing Made Simple. I actually give that book out uh, on a regular basis as a gift. Uh, it's it's a great, great book to read. And then uh, I'm actually in the process of publishing a book right now myself. So uh, maybe by the time this uh, comes out, you'll be able to find my book on, uh, on Kindle as well.
0: And what's your book gonna be called?
1: Well, you know, until it's actually published, you never know if it changes a little bit, but the working title right now is, uh, The Busy Professionals Guide to Passive uh, Investing.
0: Nice. I love it. All right. Are you ready for a speed round? Yeah, let's hit it. All right. What's your favorite part of passive real estate investing?
1: Uh, Passive mailbox money.
0: What do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? Uh,
1: That I don't have to take every deal that I'm presented.
0: Yep. Great advice. And then I uh, usually ask people about a book recommendation here, but you just gave me two. So we'll stick with that. How can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on?
1: Yeah. You know, the best, the best way to find me is my website, Uh You can email me right on there. You can link to all of my social medias on there. Whatever one is your favorite. I'm probably most active on Facebook and LinkedIn are the two I'm most active on, but there are links to all the other ones on there. Uh, You can even, like I said, email me and then schedule a meeting too, right from my website. So senateskridge.com.
0: Okay, great. And then there's, is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet?
1: Uh, Well, I I should have said when you talked about personal development opportunities, uh, there's lots of free content and free courses out there. And I actually have one as well. So on senateskridge slash course, there's a free uh, passive investor course. No charge to you at all. Just get on there and uh, learn as much as you possibly can. I'm a big advocate of education and teaching. That's why I'm also a real estate coach. I teach people how to buy apartment buildings. I just uh, I just love teaching and providing knowledge to people. So get educated. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you, Senate. It's been really great having you on the show. I appreciate all the insight and, and uh, value that you've offered the, uh, the audience here. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Matt. Thanks. Great. It was a lot of fun. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.